Welcome to the C12 Podcast. My name is Matt, and today we start our new series called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Enjoy this message from Matt Lewis, the Brazilian campus pastor. We hope you're encouraged and guided by today's message. Hey, great to be here with y'all. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, everyone here. Um, it's been an awesome night so far, and like, I've been here for a couple hours, but what I already know about C12, what's happening here, I got to sit in uh, with the volunteers and, and people who help pray and get ready for the ministry. It's like, y'all are like seriously loved and prayed for here. Like, you've got some leaders here who are investing not just with time, uh, not just with their energy and their gifts and talents, but with their prayers. So like before you ever walked in the room today, uh, every seat was prayed over. And that's because there's high expectation that God's gonna do something tonight and God wants to do something in you. And so, hey, can you give it up for your leaders and, and the volunteers here? Uh, like Alex said, my name is Matt. I serve as a campus pastor up in Brazelton. Anyone in here from Brazelton? There we go. I paid them to say that. I'll send you a check later. Just kidding. No one uses checks. I'll Venmo you later. That's what everyone's using, right? Okay, yeah, checks. What's a check? It's like a weird thing. Um, but listen, love being in Brazelton. Um, something you got to know about me uh, is that I'm relatively new here at 12 Stone. I've only been here for uh, just under a year, but actually my connection with 12 Stone goes back almost a decade. So Eight or nine years ago, my wife uh, was a worship resident at the Flowery Branch campus. There you go. One person from Flowery, two, maybe two people from the Flowery Branch campus. There you go. Anyone in here, residents here at 12 Stone? Same person and a couple other people. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, now now get this. That That's the season uh, my wife, Lisa, and I, we started dating. We started dating long distance. And I got smart and came up here, literally proposed to her on the prayer trail behind Central, had a whole thing, asked me later. It was super cute. I'm still riding high on uh, the way I pulled that one off. Um, but we got engaged, and then she was coming to the end of her residency, and I moved up here, and we were getting ready for a wedding. And she ends up accepting a job in San Francisco, California, to be a worship pastor. And so uh, literally, we got married the next day started a cross-country road trip where we started our new life in San Francisco, California. And so like in the span of seven days, we got married, we moved across the country, we started two new jobs. I do not recommend that amount of stress on a new marriage, okay? So just put that in the back of your mind. Uh, so we lived in, in California for six years. Uh, we did ministry out there. We both worked at a church. We had an amazing uh, experience there. Uh, we also uh, had two kids while we were there. Let me show you a picture. This, this feels obligatory that I have to do this as a pastor. Uh, me and Lisa and Lucy, she's four, and Joshua, he's almost two. And this is actually just a couple weeks ago. Uh, we were in New York for a family vacation, and we went to cent the Central Park Zoo. Has anyone been there? It's kind of cool. Yeah, it was a cool experience. Um, so that's my family. And, and, and about a year ago, uh, God called us back to the southeast, and it was a little bit unexpected, uh, and there was a lot that went with in that decision, uh, but we found ourselves landing right back here uh, at 12 Stone, right back here in Brazelton, Georgia, and it's, it's really been like the last year we've just been kind of settling in, and, and I don't know if you've ever moved from like one community you were deeply embedded into to, to another. I mean, it takes some time, and so we're, we're still kind of experiencing that, but one thing I will say 
uh, that we're really excited about and we're really, uh, really just anticipating is like the holiday season. It's like we don't have to choose between Thanksgiving or Christmas, like when we're going to come home and get on a plane and all that. Like we get to spend time with family. We get to see aunts and uncles and grandparents and all that. We get to be a part of that. And we, we really have kind of missed that the past six years. Now, my family's really excited about this too, like, like parents, grandparents, all that, but they're like zero excited to see me and Lisa. It's all about the kids. So, I mean, maybe you're not in that stage of life yet, but when you have kids, no one cares about you anymore. They're just like, go do whatever you want. We just want to hang out with your kids, and we're actually really okay with that too. So, um, so it's like my family's ideal version and anticipation and expectation of Christmas is that uh, we'll all spend it together this year. We haven't been able to do that in the past, and so we've been getting excited about that. And I really think Christmas is this season of anticipation. I mean, what do we say? It's the most magical time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and like everyone's decorating, and it feels magical and awesome. I mean, just expectation and excitement is in the air for what's going to make it a great experience for you, what's going to make it a great experience for me. And I don't know, maybe you have your own uh, ideas of what's going to be awesome for you, Uh, for Christmas. Maybe it's you're going to go home and you're going to decorate the tree. Maybe you've already done that. You're going to hang lights or or you're going to watch Christmas vacation for the 20th straight year of your life. Does anyone do that with their family? Like every year it's a thing, right? And it's it's still always funny. I'm like, I don't want to watch it. It's not going to be funny, but then I I laugh at it. I don't know. Um, Or maybe you go on a trip. You, You go to find some snow and you go skiing or maybe you have some other uh, family like traditions or things that you're just looking forward to this year. And, you know, hey, maybe for some of you, it's like you're going to have some time off work and that's enough. Like, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be great. Or, or who's in school? This is a college ministry. I guess a lot of you are in school. Uh, you're looking forward to no papers or no homework or anything. Like, you're just going to get a little bit of a break. Now, if you asked my four-year-old daughter, like if you went to my house right now and you asked her, she should be asleep right now. She's not asleep. Something's wrong. But if you asked her, what are you looking forward to this Christmas season? What are you expecting, Lucy? She would tell you one thing. Wouldn't even, she wouldn't miss a beat. She would say, I want a new unicorn. I want a new unicorn. And, and here's the situation there. She had a plastic unicorn named Sparkle. Uh, the leg broke. My dad welded it back together. Amazing. Uh, and then it broke again in a different place. And so we're just like, Lucy, uh, Sparkle's dead. Okay, Sparkle is done. And she's like, she's like, what's dead? And I'm like, never mind, never mind. Let's, <laughs> let's keep moving on past that one. Uh, and, and she would just say, she would tell you, I want a new unicorn uh, for Christmas. That's all I want. That's what I expect. That's what I'm anticipating. And so imagine it with me, right? Christmas morning, she comes down the stairs. Pop, 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 pop. Well, that's what it sounds like every morning, 6 a.m., she comes down the stairs, and she starts to open her presents, and she looks at one of them, and it's not Sparkle, but it's something else awesome, probably. I don't know, Lisa does all the shopping. Uh, and then so she, <laughs> I'm glad she's not here to hear me say that. Um, she opens the next one, it's not there, and then she opens the next one, it's not Sparkle, but, but then she gets to the last one, and she's like, surely this is going to be Sparkle 2.0, it's going to be awesome. Uh, and she opens it, and it's no Sparkle. What do you think would happen in my household? It might be the end of the world. Honestly, like there would be tears, there would, it would be, we would be upset, like she would be crying. And you might be thinking, well, isn't she just ungrateful? She has all these other gifts. Well, maybe a little bit, she's four, but like, like, like she wouldn't be crying because she's ungrateful. Here's why Lucy would be crying in that moment. Lucy has this expectation of what Christmas is going to look like. And then Lucy's reality didn't match that. 
Lucy's experiencing an unmet expectation. And it's disappointing and it's sad and it's frustrating. Now, now before you get on my case, we bought her two unicorns already. Again, Lisa bought them. But we have two unicorns purchased, so she's going to get the unicorn. But, but as I've been thinking about this Christmas season, if there's anything that can lead to disappointment, if there's anything that can lead or disrail, like disrupt, uh, derail our Christmas experience, what we're hoping for, it's if we experience unmet expectations. You thought you'd get some time off from work, but you're not getting as much as you thought. You thought you wouldn't have any homework, but you already know you have to write a couple papers, and that's a little bit disappointing to you. You thought you'd get time with a family uh, member or a friend, like a best friend or something from high school, and they just seem a little bit busy. Uh, they haven't really been able to make time for you. You thought you'd get a unicorn, but your parents didn't buy you one. I didn't know if that would be funny or not. I thought I'd bring it back, you know. You can only, you can only say unicorn so many times in a sermon, I guess. I've, I've used up my allotment. Maybe, maybe you're like, uh, you think family stuff's going to be different this year, but it's just as messy as it's always been. It's just as frustrating. It's just as challenging. And it's like instead of the most wonderful time of the year, instead of the most magical time of the year, instead of everything's going to be great, you keep experiencing like one unmet expectation after another unmet expectation after another. And you start to think like, what's going on with this season? It was supposed to be great. It was supposed to be magical. And now I'm feeling frustrated, disappointed. Now I'm feeling upset. Now I'm not really sure what to do. And, and at least one comforting thing I would say to you about any of that is that's not really all too different uh, than the very first Christmas. The very first Christmas, I mean, we, when we think back to it, we're like, it was magical and beautiful and everyone loved it, but really it was like a series of unmet expectations one after another. Let's start big picture with the, the whole nation of Israel. You gotta think, you gotta put yourself in the context, okay? The whole Old Testament is about God's relationship with his chosen people, Israel, the people he made a covenant with, the people he was always faithful to, who were, were rarely faithful to him. It's about their relationship. It's about what God was up to and what they were doing. And this is what the whole Old Testament uh, is about. And God makes a promise to the people of Israel. He says, I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send a Savior, and they're going to rescue you. The Messiah is going to rescue you. The, the Messiah is going to deliver you. And so Israel is waiting in expectation for the Messiah to come. And then the Old Testament ends, and 100 years go by, and, and there's no Messiah. And 200 years go by, and there's no Messiah. And again, remember, they're waiting, and they're thinking the Messiah is going to do two specific things. Uh, the Messiah is going to rescue them from whoever is oppressing them, like, like literally going to rescue them, and then going to set them back into a position of political and military power. Like this is very real, tangible things they're expecting and waiting for and hoping. And then 300 years go by, no military leader, no savior. Can you imagine they're thinking like, where's God? Like what's God up to? What's going on? Then, and then finally, 400 years after the last pin stroke of the Old Testament, the savior comes on to the scene and it's this great military leader. It's like a combination of The Rock and Arnold Schwarzenegger and other, I guess, really strong people. And then, like, he takes over and he rescues them from the, you know. No, no, no. No, that doesn't happen. The Savior comes as a baby. Unmet expectation, right? Like, that is not what they were hoping for. That is not what they were praying for. That is not what they were expecting to happen. 
Well, then think about Mary and Joseph. Cute Jewish couple, uh, probably met on a dating app. She swiped right. He liked her picture. I don't know if that's how dating apps work, but uh, something happened and they got together and they like had this uh, expectation of what engagement and marriage and their future was going to look like. Like he, he asked her dad if he could uh, propose and uh, he said yes. And so when they're engaged and they're getting ready for uh, the, mar- the wedding, the marriage, and then uh, that night they're going to consummate the marriage. If you don't know what that means, ask your neighbor, ask Alex later. But they're like super excited about what all this is going to take place, right? Like it's going to be awesome. And then Mary comes to Joseph and says, I'm pregnant. And Joseph says, we haven't consummated. How can this be possible? Who have you been consummating with? You can't say consummate a lot in a sermon either. <laughs> I keep saying it though. You gotta stop saying that. And, and like, like, it literally takes an angel from God to come explain the situation to Joseph so he doesn't leave because why else would he stay? And so he's living in this unmet expectation of what his future was gonna look like and what his marriage was gonna look like. It's all different now. It's all different. Then Mary thinks she's going to give birth in a hospital, but it turns out to be a stable and a manger. And then, and then she thinks she's going to raise her baby boy infant in her hometown around her relatives, but, well, Herod's trying to kill all the babies. And so they have to go to Egypt, where they raise Jesus for the first some, somewhere six to ten years of his life. It's in Egypt. It's in somewhere where they're not familiar with. It's just like, it's like this Jesus is producing unmet expectation after unmet expectation after unmet expectation. This would continue to be the case in Jesus' life. The Pharisees told him not to heal on a Sunday. He healed on a Sunday. The disciples never expected that he would kneel down and wash their feet. He knelt down and washed their feet. The Samaritan woman at the well did never thought a religious leader from the Jewish religion would talk to her. They weren't allowed, but he talked to her. He spoke into her life. He made a difference, and then she made a difference. It's like all these unmet expectations are happening, and and some of them are shocking people, and some of them are saving people. And it's like this is the, the, the path that this Jesus of Nazareth was moving down of always surprising people. He made a habit of not meeting expectations. Still people followed him. Still people called him rabbi. Still people begged to just touch the hem of his garment so they could experience salvation. So expectation was still high. And towards the end of his life, the the Bible says he set his face towards Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the religious epicenter of the ancient world, where the temple was, where Roman oppression was. And you remember back what Israel was expecting. They're thinking, this is the moment. The Savior, I didn't expect him to come as a baby, but now he's here and he's got this following and he's stepping into Jerusalem and he's about to overthrow the Roman government. And this is going to be the time when we ascend back to power, when, when the Savior rescues us. And look how Matthew puts it in his gospel. He says, when Jesus enters Jerusalem, a very large crowd was waiting partying, excited, expectant. They spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And who, who stopped like with the shirts and started with it? Like someone was like, I don't want to get this shirt dirty. I'm going to cut down a branch and put it down there. I don't know. It's kind of funny. Um, but it's like, there's this whole experience. This is, a, this is an entrance for a king. That's what this is. 
It's a coronation. And Jesus is entering, and people are following him. And catch the emotion in this. They're shouting behind him as he enters the city. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? There's expectation. There's anticipation. This is the time. But in the greatest unmet expectation that you could imagine, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, God become man, Emmanuel, God with us, the one whom the Bible says, by whom and for whom all things are created, the one who could snap down and call a legion of angels down to his side. He didn't ascend to a throne and grasp for power. He descended to a cross. He descended to agony. He descended to humility. And for everyone around him, hope was over. There's no version of Jewish hope or Christian hope or his parents' hope that ends in a crucifixion on a cross. Never a part of the plan. You got to imagine they're asking, what's God doing? What could God possibly be up to? Where are you at, God? God, are you still even there? Where do we go from here, God? Maybe that's where you are this Christmas season. Maybe it's not just extra homework or extra work shifts that are unmet expectations for you. Maybe family stuff is not just neutral to slightly negative, but it's literally terrible. Like you're going to go home and your dad's going to say the thing again and it's going to spark pain from your past again. Maybe you've got the relationships in your family, like you're just dreading talking to them. Maybe you're stepping back into unhealth and pain and memories. Family stuff is, is tough. Maybe for you, it's, it's mental health. You thought this season you'd be past the depression, you'd be past the anxiety, you've done the counseling, you've taken the medicine, you've worked the plan, but you find yourself in this space where you're like, what are you doing, God? Like, I thought we were moved past this. This is not what I expected. Maybe you're lonely, like, like lonely, lonely. You're not even sure the three people you could call to go get coffee or hang out, and it's not even a joke. It's like, I'm lonely, and I wish I had people this season, and there's pain, and there's frustration. There's unmet expectations, and you find yourself asking, where are you, God? What are you doing, God? Life wasn't supposed to turn out like this, God. Why am I just... Why am I just coasting through in this season of unmet expectations and pain? When I graduated high school, uh, all the things that I loved and that uh, defined me and that I cared about kind of came to an end. Uh, I played sports my whole life, like not just a little bit, but like a lot, like my whole life, three sports, was always in a sport. I went and tried to play college football uh, at a Division three school, and I stayed for three weeks and said, peace out, I don't want to do this, I'm going back home. And then, like, there was this void and this identity gap, and I was unsure of things. And um, then I had a girlfriend in high school, and, I mean, you know, if you, you had, like, kind of a serious relationship in high school, it lasted a year or something, and I was in love, and I, you know, I didn't know if we were going to get married or not, but, like, I was in love, first time I'd ever been in love, and then we broke up 
when I graduated and she started dating someone else. And I, I wasn't just hurt. I was shattered. I was shattered. Uh, and then uh, I had Christian community in middle school and high school and faith was really good. And then it kinda, I kind of started, didn't realize it then, but was kind of started walking away from faith because all my, my Christian community kind of left and moved away. And, and then I find myself uh, in this space, in this position where um, I'm broken and uh, I'm spiraling and, and I didn't actually turn to God in that season. I turned a different direction. I started living a different uh, lifestyle, one, one that I'd never thought I would live. I started uh, self-medicating. I started drinking. I, I stepped into drugs. I stepped into a whole kind of lifestyle uh, that was trying to mask the pain of the stuff I wasn't dealing with. And I was also going to it for comfort, and it would be cool for like an hour or a night, but then I'd wake up, and I'd be back in the pain again, and I'd be back in the destruction again. And then uh, rock, rock bottom for me was I was sitting uh, on the floor of my home church a day after I had just been arrested for the second time in two years. And the first time you get arrested, everyone writes letters on your behalf because you were a good kid in high school and you did all the right things and you won some awards. The second time, no one writes letters. You've broken relationships with your family. Your mom cries every night. Your sister won't talk to you. You don't know what the future is going to hold. I'm just sitting on the floor, uh, just broken. And in this moment... Uh, a song comes on. I didn't play the song. There was just music playing in the church, and this song comes on. It's kind of a cheesy song when I think back to it now, but in that moment, uh, the words and the lyrics of this song were directly from God's mouth to my ears. That's the weight it hit me with. And I want to read uh, the lyrics of this song to you. This is me sitting in my most broken, and, and the words say this, Oh, heart of mine, why must you stray? From one so fair, you run away. And one more time, you have to pay the heaviness of needless shame. Oh, heart of mine, come back home. You've been too long out on your own, and he's been there all along, watching for you down the road. And then here's, here's I'll never forget these words. So come home running. His arms are open wide. His name is Jesus, and he understands. He is the answer you've been looking for. So come home running just as you are. Come home running just as you are. God rushed in. And what he said to me through my thoughts, I didn't hear a voice. God usually speaks to me through my thoughts. He usually speaks to you through other people, things like that. But he said, hey, listen, you can keep living this life uh, going this direction, and these kinds of things will keep happening, or today in this moment, in the middle of your brokenness, in the middle of the pain that you've caused yourself, in the middle of even unmet expectations that maybe others have thrown on you, or family situation, whatever, right in the middle of this, you can take just one step towards me. Just take one step back in my direction, Matt. That's enough. That's enough. I can work with that. For me, that looked like getting involved in a ministry similar to this at the college I was at, the Wesley Foundation at Florida State. Got involved there, and over the years, God started working on me and changing me and 
uh, moving in my heart one percentage at a time. I had my struggles. I wasn't perfect. I'll tell you all about it if you want after the service. Here's what I learned about God. God doesn't waste anything. God won't waste anything. You might be sitting in the middle of unmet expectations. You might be in the hardest season of your life. You might be in the best season of your life. It might be because of your own sin. It might be because of someone else's sin. But what I know is true. It's a promise from God. You can stand on it. It's as sure as the stage I'm standing on. He won't waste anything. Paul says it like this. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? What's his glory? And it's kingdom advancement. So every, literally every circumstance in your life that a Christian could ever go through, God is always in the moment repurposing it for your good and his glory. Can't happen any other way. And we know this. We know this because 2,000 years ago, God died on a cross for your sins. And it looked hopeless and it looked silent. But out of the silence came the roaring lion. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And three days later is a promise that any cross and grave in your life is infused with resurrection power. You can't remove it. And that's something we can stand on. That's what God's always doing. So what do we do? That's what God's doing. What do we do? Well, I would just say to you, you can just take one step in his direction. That's it. That's all you need to do. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're in the middle of unmet expectations and you have a choice, much like I had a choice. You can step away from God or you can let those unmet expectations drive you towards God. You can rest in him. You can yell at him. You can be angry at him. Open the book of Psalms. That's what it's all about. Like you can take it all to God. Tonight, I'm gonna invite you into a moment where you're gonna have uh, time to do that right with God. You can pray to him. You can go to him. We're gonna have a couple minutes of just kind of a moment of prayer. But you might be sitting here saying, I've already taken 10 steps away from God. I'm way over there, Matt, I heard your story and that's nothing compared to my story, at least where my heart is when it comes to God. Maybe your step tonight is just to give it to God. All you need to do is take one step back in his direction. All you need to do is take one step towards him because his grace is sufficient for you. That's what the cross is about. That's what the resurrection is about. The cross is about that you were never good enough anyways. And the resurrection is about he did what you could never do anyways. So he's not waiting on you to get perfect. He's waiting on you just to surrender all your imperfection to him. He'll take it. He already took it. He died for it. We're going to have a moment. You have a moment with God. Talk to him. He's right there. Give him where you're at. Give him your unmet expectations. Hey, if you need to tonight, give him your life. That's what he wants. So you can 
make your seat an altar. You can come up to the front and kneel and pray. You can go stand in the corner of the room. We're gonna have a couple people up here ready and willing to pray with you, for you, over you. All of church is basically getting you to talk to God. So let's talk to God. Let's give him one step in his direction. Let's, let's give him our hearts. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. Take some time to reflect on what God is doing with your unmet expectations. To stay connected with C12, make sure to follow us on Instagram at C12Stone. We would love to have you join us for a Christmas Eve service at 12 Stone. For information, go to christmasat12stone.com. There is a link in the description. See you next week.